Three words that change your life. Three words that will change the course of the next few days, months, years. It's interesting how some of the biggest, most life-changing news we ever receive can arrive in just three words. We almost don't even need the context. I can tell you those three words and you will know what I mean. Just three words that tell you all you need to know. Yes, I will. It's a boy. You have cancer. Three words that can change everything. Now today, we're going to reflect upon three words that change everything personally for each one of us. Three words that changed the course of history and make a massive impact on every one of us. Just three words. It is finished. It is finished. And what I want to do really is tell you two things about that sentence. What is it that is finished? And what does it mean that it's finished? And I want to end with some reflections to help you think, to ponder, to reflect upon. Words that can change your life if only you will respond to them. Well, it's finished. What is it that's finished? Now, with these words, we do need the backstory. Right? It's a boy. You understand what I'm talking about. It is finished. What's that about? Now, the story that I want to tell you throughout this talk is of a husband and a wife. I wonder if you can picture it. The husband is just a lovely man. He's kind and gentle, although he's also strong. He's protective and empowering. A man who will listen and speak his heart and mind. A husband who provides lavishly protective and empowering, a man who always, always has time for his wife. Really, the the husband is perfect. I, I, I can't think of anything you could do to improve him. He is ideal. She, on the other hand, she's horrible, honestly. She's somebody who is naggy and whingy and demanding. She blames the husband for all of her problems, of which there are many. She's often rude or just flat out ignores him. She blames him when things go wrong. In fact, she frequently and regularly goes and has flings with other men. Whether it's a one-night stand or a long-term adultery. In fact, in all of her mistakes and errors and wickedness, she breaks the law often. She uses and abuses the man who is her husband involved in some really, really bad illegal stuff. I wonder if you can picture yourself as the husband. If you can imagine what it's like to be betrayed in that way. The one that you love and that you cherish. The one that you pour yourself out for and do good for always to betray you time and time and time again. I wonder if you can imagine the hurt, the anger, the despair, 
the heart that breaks, the trust that is non-existent as she walks home again and every time says, I'm so sorry I did it again. Next time we'll be different. But it never is. One day the law catches up to her. All of her evil, all of her wickedness, all the things she's done that haven't just been hurtful to him but have been destructive to society, to others, is pretty bad. She's used and abused her husband's wealth. She's done all sorts of wickedness. The law catches up to her, runs its course, and at the end there she stands before the magistrate and just as he's about to lay down the sentence, he turns to the husband and says, Sir, do you you have anything to add? I wonder what you would say. Out of the hurt, out of the anger, out of the betrayal, out of the knowledge that she's wasted what you've given her, that she's been destructive towards you and towards others, throw the book at her. Make her pay. Justice must be done. Well, our three words, it is finished. You see, it's so easy in that story to put ourselves into the shoes of the husband. It's so easy to imagine ourselves as the wronged ones. I think that's something that we can imagine, that many of us dread, perhaps have experienced. But it's much harder to think, what if rather than being the husband, we're the wife? In fact, the Bible is very clear that in this story, that's exactly who we are. We're not the angry ones. We are not the ones who have been hurt. We are the ones who have caused the hurt. We haven't been betrayed. We are the betrayers. You see, this story is about a God who lovingly created all things, who made it good, who gave all good things to his creation and especially to his special creatures, you and me, who poured out his heart and his mind, who loved and gave us all good things in love. The God who we then ignored and rejected and chose to love and to worship everything other than him, to find our satisfaction in his creation rather than in him. You see, that pain that we feel at betrayal, that's just a shadow of the pain that he feels at ours. We've broken not just some society laws, but we've broken the divine law standing before that magistrate where the righteousness of the law ought to fall upon us. What does God do? What does the husband say? God could demand justice. God requires justice. Wrongs must be righted. Sir, do you have anything to add? In our story, the husband does something rather unexpected. He stands and walks over to his wife. He looks her in the eyes and he says, Do you trust me? 
All she can do is, is nod. The husband turns to the magistrate and he says, I will take her place. The wrong she has done, I will pay for. Are you sure, says the magistrate, this has been really bad, this is serious. In fact, the penalty for these crimes is death. Yes, I will pay. You see, in love, that's exactly what God did. God entered into his creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And did you read what he did? John chapter 19 and verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus didn't need to die. Death as a consequence of sin, death as part of the curse that lives in the world because of our rejection of the one who is the source of life, didn't have to fall upon him. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was the one who still lived in life. What he chose to do was to drink that cup, to drink the cup of the wrath of God, the law poured out upon him that should have been upon us. The penalty that our betrayal deserved, paid by Jesus paid in full, it is finished. The weight of the law upon those who deserved it, falling upon Jesus. Now, of course, illustrations have their limitations, don't they? In our story, well, the husband would then be dead, the relationship would have ended, Whereas with God, it's a little bit different. See, Jesus doesn't stay dead. That's Sunday. Make sure you tune in, you come in person for that. What was achieved in Jesus' death wasn't the end of relationship. I mean, it was pain, what the law required. But what that brought about was the start of a new, true beginning. A restored relationship. One in which death was destroyed so that you and I can have life. One in which sin was abolished, that we can come before a holy God. One in which love was renewed, that you and I might once again willingly submit ourselves to the one who is God over all. It is finished. Everything needed, everything required, done. Now, what I want from today is for you to think. What I want is for you as you leave to ponder upon this truth that Jesus' death has paid it all. Our enmity with God is finished. And I want to give you three things that you might reflect upon to help you think about your own life and your own relationship with God. Three things. The first is this. There is no other way. There is no other way by which we can be restored back into relationship with God and receive all the benefits that that brings. Death defeated, therefore life eternal. 
love restored, that we might be in a right relationship with God. There is no other way. And the thing to keep in mind, the reason I can say with such confidence that there is no other way, is because of the price that God paid. To come into creation and die, to send his only beloved son in our place. If there was any other way, do you think God wouldn't have taken it? I mean, as, a, as a, just a simple illustration, right? Imagine I'm selling you my car and all other things being equal, you can either pay me a $1,000 or a million dollars for my car. Which are you going to choose? Of course, you're going to choose the cheaper one, right? God sent his son to die. If there was any other way, it would have been cheaper than that. It would have been easier than that. If there was any other way, do you think God wouldn't have taken it? No, nothing else can get us there. Being good, that can't get you there. As if God was going to just make you, go on, you can do it. We can't. Spirituality and and the modern quest for the new age, enlightenment and self-fulfillment, those things can't get you there. The problem of the sin, the problem of the weight of the law will still remain. Even even pursuing other religious ideals, worshipping other gods. I mean, that's the problem to start with. That's us sleeping around, if you like. It is finished. I want you to reflect upon what that means for how you approach God. If you're like the Aussie secular, sorry, the um, uh, average secular Aussie, you will probably be the sort of person who thinks that good enough is near enough and that just be all right to yourself and in the end it'll all work itself out. No, that's not enough. Death is required. Jesus paid it that you don't have to. But can I also then tell you that you need to be thankful. If you're somebody who's embraced Jesus and knows that it is finished, Easter is the time to say thank you, thank you, thank you God knowing that there is no other way, knowing that there is nothing we could do to get there, but that he has done it all. What thanksgiving. What repentance of our sin, knowing that we are forgiven, delighting in God. The second thing I want you to think about, I want you to realise the great confidence this brings. That Jesus says to us, it is finished, fills us with the sure knowledge that it's all done. That we can stand before the pearly gates and with complete assurance declare, yes, I belong here. Again, not because of anything else, not because of our own works, not not because of something we've done, but because Jesus declares, it is finished. It puts me in mind of that scene from a Monty Python movie. I don't know if you've seen Monty Python, The Quest for the Holy Grail. Uh, it's a very reverent movie uh, and, and yet funny nonetheless. And there's the scene where they're trying to cross a bridge and they have to answer a question and they have to answer it correctly. And the people who don't have confidence in their answers fail, right? What's your favourite colour? Green. Yeah, you may pass. What's your favourite colour? Blue. Ah, no, yellow. Ah, poof. Right, and then of course when he, the king gets asked, what's the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And what, African or European? I don't know. It's very silly. 
The point is, they had no confidence, they paid for it. We come to the pearly gates. We can stand before whatever judgment awaits and declare with utmost confidence because of Jesus, not in pride, not in arrogance, not in some sense that we are superior, but because Jesus declared it is finished. We stand with complete confidence. Yes, the punishment for my sin has been paid in full. I belong here. And I want you to reflect upon this. Because whatever view of the world you have, whatever view of God, of your religious views, if what you have does not give you that sort of confidence, then you need to come and find Jesus. Because in Jesus, for those who belong to Jesus, it is all done. There's no question. There's no uncertainty. There's no fear of the future. But there's great confidence. There's no other way. We have confidence because of it. And so thirdly, I want you to reflect on this. I want you to make sure that you've accepted Jesus' work. Make sure that this offer for Jesus to stand in your place is one you have said yes to. Can you imagine? I mean, the wife could have said no. Well, husband stands and says, I will pay. She says, no, thank you very much. I will take it upon myself. And, and so many of us do exactly that. As God stands here with this offer of free forgiveness, we say, no, thank you very much. I'd prefer to pay. Not recognizing the extent of what we're going to have to pay. Entrust your life to Jesus. Make sure of it. Three words that'll change your life. I mean, you're having a baby, you're getting married, you're going to face your own mortality. These are all serious and life-changing. But you know what? Belonging to Jesus, it'll change your destiny. It'll change your eternity. It will transform you now and take you forever into heaven with him. It is finished. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ you paid it all. The punishment that we deserve, the condemnation for our rejection of your good ways and of who you are placed upon the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that it is finished. Fill us with trust, with dependence upon Jesus, that we might have sure and certain knowledge and confidence that we are yours, that you are ours. Our Father, teach us to live this out now, knowing that we've been restored back into right relationship with you, a relationship in which you are God and we are your creation, that out of love for you, we will willingly and joyfully submit ourselves to your ways declaring your praises, worshipping your name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.